Welcome to the Preaching Podcast. I'm Paul Robinson, and I hope you're doing well today. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? You know, maybe you were at a, a certain place, maybe maybe you went to a, a friend's house or some kind of party and you felt like you didn't belong, like, boy, I do not belong here, this is not my group. And uh, that's what this sermon today is all about. Uh, it's about belonging. And where do we as Christians belong? Well, I'll tell you right now, we don't belong in the world, right? In fact, we belong in the Father's house. We belong in, in, uh, among God's people, in the church of God. And I'll tell you, this sermon is very, very encouraging, and perhaps you're in a difficult spot right now. Perhaps you really need that encouragement. Perhaps you're lonely today, and you feel that you don't belong. That's what this message is all about. And this message comes from June 14th, 2020. It was right in the midst of the pandemic. And let me tell you, uh, the sermon series that my church was doing at this, uh, at this time, our theme was entitled, Where We Belong. Yeah, where we belong, and uh, boy, talk about wonderful, uh, wonderful theme, especially during the during the in the midst of the pandemic when people were just staying at home, nobody was going to work, people were lonely, and and uh, all all this ter all these terrible things that were done to us that really shouldn't have been. Let me just say, and so uh, in the midst of that, we had this sermon series where we belong. The truth is, we belong among God's people in God's house. We belong in the will of God, all these things. And so this was this was for that series, and I know it will be a great blessing. And let me tell you something, um, this is going to be, uh, after this message, the next two messages after this will also be from that specific series. So I'll have two other messages about belonging, and I, I won't give away exactly what they are, but they're going to be in the same theme. So anyways, I, I hope this will be a great encouragement to you. It's the story of the prodigal son. Uh, so that's that's where we're going to be, Luke chapter 15, if you want to turn there. And I know it will be a great blessing. So without further ado, here's the message, Belonging in the Father's House. The parable of the prodigal son is really an amazing story, isn't it? It is a story of love, abandonment, and grace. It is the story of one man's journey to find his ultimate fulfillment only to realize that the fulfillment was right there at home all along. This story is just a parable, you know, it never actually happened. And yet, it has happened countless times. The son represents the Christian who has wandered away from God in order to find some lasting fulfillment. This is the backslidden Christian. You know, some people think that this parable might be uh, the, the gospel account, the sinner coming home and being, you know, the sinner being saved and coming home. But I don't think so because it's, it's made very clear that he, he's a son the whole time. He's a son at the beginning of the story. And while he's out, you know, with the riotous living, he's still a son. And then he comes back home and he is welcomed home. It's, he's a son the whole time. So this is not the story of the sinner being saved. This is the story of the, the uh, wayward son of God, a, a wayward child of God, a backslidden Christian who's turned his back on God and then comes home. And so that's what the story's about, you know, the, the, the backslidden Christian. And eventually he comes back to his heavenly father. And maybe this is your story. 
Maybe you can relate. Or maybe you have yet to come home. And you need to come home. And I hope that the Lord will speak to your heart tonight. You know, uh, in this story we see three specific destinations. Three specific destinations. And we're going to look at those tonight. The first destination is the far country. The far country. And we see that in verse 13 where it says this. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, got all of his stuff, and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. You know, the far country really represents the world and all of its attractions. It looks so alluring with all of its big lit up signs, you know, pleasures, fulfillment, do whatever you want, follow your heart, join us, we will show you a good time. You know, all these, all these promises that the world promises you, and yet they are empty promises. Empty. Take your Bibles, look at uh, Proverbs chapter 1. Make sure you keep a finger or something in uh, Luke 15. But look at Proverbs chapter 1, and starting in verse 10. You see, Solomon, in all of his wisdom, uh, he knew the allurement of the world. And so what does he do? He warns his son. He warns his son about the, the enticement of the world. In Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 10, it says, my, he says, My son... If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in the lot among us. Let us all have one purse. You know, they make that sound so good, don't they? But Solomon fires back in the next verse. He says, My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Wow. And that's exactly what happened to the prodigal son. This son, he took his substance, it was really his father's, and he took it and he went into this, this far country. And he got in the wrong crowd. He got stuck with all these, these sinners. And, and they, they sure liked him because he had money, right? He had money. And so they said, oh, come with us. Oh, we're going to have a great time. Yeah, we're going to party. We're going to live it up. We're going to have a great time. It was just it was a trap. You know, it's been said, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? You know, and I think of Lot, who lifted up his eyes and he saw the plain of Jordan, it looked amazing. It was well watered. It says it was like the Garden of Eden. Wow. Looked great. And so what did he do? He said, oh, I'm going over there. And he pitched his tent. The Bible says he pitched his tent toward the city of Sodom. A wicked city. One of the most wicked cities ever, really. And you know, it wasn't long that he was living inside Sodom. You know, you, you, you pitch your tent, you pitch your life towards sin, and it starts pulling you in, and before long you're living in sin. And, and you say, well, what happened? How did I get here? <laughs> you know, you just, you, just started, you just started leaning a little bit towards it, and it just pulls you in, sucks you in, and before long you're in sin. And I, I think that's exactly what happened to the prodigal son. Well, once the son got to the city... The Bible says he wasted his substance on riotous living. 
He did not invest. He did not trade or barter. No, he wasted his substance. You see, that is what sin does. It wastes you. Sin will waste your money. It'll waste your time. It'll waste your abilities, your mind, your character. And before it is through, sin will have wasted your entire life. And you know what? You only have one life. One life. How sad that, that a Christian gets to the end of their lives and they, they, they're on their deathbed and they say, Wow, I've wasted my life. I wasted it. And they have regret because they didn't live for the Lord. They allowed sin to get into their lives, and when sin gets into your life, it just wastes you. It just wastes everything that you have. The Bible says he wasted his substance. Now, who gave him that substance? It was his father. And I want you to think about this. Sin will waste the very things that God has given you. I'm talking about blessings that God has given you, talents and abilities that God has blessed you with, and yet sin will get in and it will waste those talents and abilities that you should be using for God. It'll waste it, waste it on your own sinful pleasures. And God blesses you with material prosperity or, or wealth, and sin will get in there and it'll waste your possessions and your wealth. You'll waste it on yourself. God's given you a, a good mind, and sin will waste that mind. All the things that God has given you, if you allow sin to get into your life, it'll waste it. It'll waste your substance. The things you have, wasted. Notice it says, with riotous living. The word riotous is reckless, reckless living. Like a wild dog that has been let loose from his leash. You follow the passions of your sinful heart. You go wherever they take you, and the result is a wrecked life, a life of ruin and shame. You know what happened? You, you, you stepped into sin's trap. You stepped right there into the trap. W.W. Uh, w. Melton was a pastor in Waco, Texas. He pastored in the early 20th century. And in his book, The Waste of Sin... Which, which is his, uh, it really is his chronicling of the story of the prodigal son is very good. So he wrote this book, The Waste of Sin. He says this concerning sin's traps, and I quote, Appeals are made to our sense of beauty, to our desire for social prestige, to our love for praise, to our, to our financial ambitions, and to a thousand other points of interest. We yield for the moment because the indulgence is sweet, with no thought that it will prove our undoing. Temptations and snares and pitfalls are found off the main road, in the dark and along the bypaths of life. Watch the crowds that gather around you. Listen to the language they use, the songs they sing, the games they play, and the way they spend their idle hours, for their character is expressed in their behavior. Wow. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And it goes back to, to what we were talking about before with Proverbs chapter 1 and Solomon saying, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Consent thou not. And, and you know, they give themselves away. They give away that they're sinful people. You know, they, 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 they give themselves away in, in how they speak and their motivations and, and, and their character. Once again, as he says, their character is expressed in their behavior. 
you can tell. You can tell. And you know, if you have a job where you're working with unsaved people, <laughs> oh my, they give themselves away with their language, don't they? The cussing. They give themselves away by uh, the things they talk about, the things they love, the things of the world. You know, it's the things they love, usually not things that we, we love, right? Shouldn't be things that Christians love. The kind of jokes they tell. The kind of things they talk about. They give it away who they are. And so we need to be very careful that we don't throw in our lot among them. That we're not with that kind of group of people. And we need to, we need to witness to them. But doesn't mean you need to be their friend. Doesn't mean you need to, hey, let's come over to my house and we'll have a good time. No. We need to be very careful. We need to be very careful because... The devil wants to trap us and ensnare us and get us to the point where we, we have uh, turned our back on God. We're, we're going out, we're, we're pursuing the things of this world. It's very dangerous. The far country, the place that the son longed for, proved to be his undoing. He learned the hard way that this was not where he belonged. It was not where he belonged. The far country. But I see a second destination and the second destination tonight is the pig pen, believe it or not. Yes, the pig pen. So look back at Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 14. Look at verse 14. It says, And when he had spent all, all of his substance, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his feed, uh, fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Wow. So things go from bad to worse. I mean, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad here. But it's a lot worse now. And the sun, we have this famine that hits the land, and he loses everything, and just he's desperate. He becomes desperate. His money is gone. His friends are gone. His reputation is gone. He cannot find a good job. So he gets a menial job feeding pigs. Now that is the bottom of the barrel. We're talking about a Jewish man here, and the Jews despised pigs. Pigs were unclean animals. And here is this guy, this son. He is in with the pigs. He's not only feeding them, but he, he soon finds himself with the pigs in the mud eating slop. Pig food. Is this where he belongs? The pig pen represents the misery of sin. The Apostle Peter, he expresses it best when he says in 2 Peter 2.22, The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow, that is the pig that was washed, to her wallowing in the mire. You know, pigs love that mud. They love that mud. And you can take a pig and pull it out of the mud, wash it off, spray it down, you know, to, uh, soap it down and spray it down and clean it out. Ah, the pig is all clean. And it goes right back to the mud. Right back to the mud. Why? Because that mud, that mud hole is where the pig belongs. That's the place he calls home. But guess what? The Christian does not belong in the mud hole 
of this world. But sometimes he finds himself there. He finds himself there sometimes. Drugs, debauchery, darkness. You know, the Christian, he's covered. He's covered in the dirt and the filth of this world. And it's, it's, it's amazing that a Christian, a child of God, can become so filthy, so defiled by the world. Incredible. You know, the Bible gives us a shocking picture of this in Ezekiel 23. So turn there, Ezekiel chapter 23. And uh, we don't have time to read the entire chapter, but boy, this is a graphic picture. And so we're going to be jumping around a few different verses here. Ezekiel chapter 23, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother. Okay, so we've got these two women. And uh, the two daughters, they represent Samaria and Jerusalem. All right? It's representation. Now jump down to verse 5. So we have the two women, Ahola and Aholabah. And Ahola played the harlot when she was mine. She doted on her lovers, on the Assyrians, her neighbors, which were clothed with blue, captains and rulers, all of them desirable young men, horsemen riding upon horses. Thus she committed her whoredoms with them, with all of them that were the chosen men of Assyria, and with all on whom she doted, with all their idols she defiled herself. Neither left she her whoredoms, Brought from Egypt. All right, now jump down to verse, uh, verse 9. Wherefore I've delivered her into the hand of her lovers, into the hand of the Assyrians upon whom she doted. These discovered her nakedness. They took her sons and her daughters and slew her with the sword. And she became famous among women, for they had executed judgment upon her. And when her sister Aholabah saw this, she was more corrupt in her inordinate love than she, and in her whoredoms, more than her sister in her whoredoms. Now jump to verse 16. And as soon as she saw them with her eyes, she doted upon them and sent messengers unto them in Chaldea. And the Babylonians came to her into the bed of love, and they defiled her with their whoredom, and she was polluted with them, and her mind was alienated from them. So she discovered her whoredoms and discovered her nakedness, then my mind was alienated from her, like as my mind was alienated from her sister. Yet she multiplied her whoredoms, in calling to remembrance the days of her youth, wherein she had played the harlot in the land of Egypt. Now jump to verse 22. Therefore, O Aholabah, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will raise up thy lovers against thee, from whom thy mind is alienated, and I will bring them against thee on every side, the Babylonians and all the Chaldeans, Pekod, and Shoah, and Koah, and all the Assyrians with them. All of them desirable young men, captains and rulers, great lords and renowned. All of them riding upon horses, and they shall come against thee with chariots, wagons, wheels, with an assembly of people, which shall set against thee buckler and shield and helmet round about, and I will set judgment before them. And they shall judge thee according to their judgments, and I will set my jealousy against thee. And they shall deal furiously with thee. They shall take away thy nose and thine ears, and thy remnant shall fall by the sword. They shall take thy sons and thy daughters, and thy residue shall be devoured by the fire. They shall also strip thee out of thy clothes and take away 
thy fair jewels. Now the key verse is verse 35, so don't miss verse 35. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast forgotten me and cast me behind thy back, therefore bear thou also thy lewdness and thy whoredoms. That's it right there. That's why all of this is happening, this, this graphic imagery. It's because they had forsaken God. They turned their back upon God. And therefore, God was bringing that, that chastisement upon them. You see, God's people, they had defiled themselves. And because of that, God brought chastisement upon them. God saw his people as two beautiful daughters that had committed great acts of wickedness. The son in Luke 15 was a little different. He recognized something very important. You see, he came to his senses and realized that he did not belong in the pig pen. He did not belong there. You know who, who belongs in mud? Pigs. <laughs> Pigs belong in mud, not sons. And he, he eventually came to his senses. And that brings us to the final destination tonight. We've seen the first destination was the far, the faraway country. The faraway country, it sure looked good, didn't it? It looked really good. It looked really promising, really. Man, lots of amazing things and so much fun. And, uh, and yet it, 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 it wasn't very satisfying. And the young man wasted his substance. Then we have the pig pen, which was just a d despair, desperation. Found himself in the mud with the pigs. But the final destination tonight is the father's house. The Father's house. So let's turn back to Luke 15. Luke chapter 15, and notice, starting in verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father. And will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Wow. Came to his senses. You know what? Uh, pigs belong in the mud. Sons do not. Uh, J. Vernon McGee believes that the father would say something like this. And I quote, All my sons are coming home. My sons don't like pig pens because they do not have the nature of a pig. They have the nature of a son. They have my nature. And they won't be happy except in the Father's house. The only place in the world where they will be content is the Father's house. And every one of my sons that goes out to the far country and gets in a pig pen, regardless of how dirty he gets or how low he sinks, if he's my son, one day he'll say, I'll arise and I'll go to my Father. Amen. You see, sons... Uh, really, again, this is the story of the backslidden Christian, and if you are a backslidden Christian, what McGee is saying is you're eventually going to come to your senses and say, I have got to go back to the Lord. I've got to go back. I've got to go back. And I dare say that if, if, if you never desire to go back to God, you need to check your salvation if you were ever saved in the first place. If you are content in the mud, then maybe you're not a child of God at all. A child of God will, will, will have the desire in his heart, oh, I need to go back 
to my heavenly father. I need to go back to my father's house because I do not belong here. What was I thinking? And that's what happens here. It says he, he came to himself. You know, it just, it just hit him. <laughs> Finally, he came to his senses. What am I doing here? How good I had it back in my father's house. And he says, I don't belong here. I don't belong in the city. I don't belong in the mud, in the pig pen. I belong in my father's house. And I love it how he says, my father's servants have it better than this. They're, they're, they're not sons. They're servants. And yet they have bread and to spare and they have everything they need. And my father takes care of them and I'm his son. And so he says, uh, he makes up his mind to return and, and he says, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be son anymore because of what I've done. And so I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, just, Father, just make me a servant and I'll just serve you. Because I don't deserve to be your son anymore. So that, that's what he was going to do. You know, what, what, is it, what is it that triggered this moment of realization? Well, W.W. W. Melton, once again, he says it very well, and I quote, What brought him to himself? His misfortune. If life had been filled with prosperity and reverses had not come, it is quite certain that the turning point would have never been reached. Hardships and sorrow and misfortune are often agents of mercy. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That God uses hardships and sorrow and pain and suffering. They are God's agents of mercy. They are, they are there to, to slap you in the face. And, and, and so you come to your senses. So you say, what is going on? Oh my goodness, why all the pain and suffering? Why am I suffering so much? I know why. It's because I left God. I turned my back on God. And I'm sinking in despair. I'm in a, a mud hole. I'm filthy. I need to go back to my father. You know, that, you know it, it's so easy in a time of prosperity to forget God, isn't it? You know, we think to ourselves, oh, I would never forget about God in a time of prosperity. But I think we are all guilty of doing that. Everything's going perfect. Everything's great. We're doing great. And we don't, we're not thinking about God. And then something happens. A hardship happens. A trial happens. Maybe a health problem. Some kind of trial happens. And we turn to the Lord. We turn to God in that crisis. But of course, really, the prodigal son, he, this is a son who had willingly left the father. So again, we're talking about a backslidden Christian, somebody who turned their back on God and said, I am leaving. That's the kind of person we're looking at. And, and, and that can happen too. Something happens in your life and you become bitter against God. This is very common. This is very common, more common than you think. For something to happen in your life and you become bitter against God. And so you, you leave God. You turn your back on God. Man, I, I, I've known, I could tell you people I know that have done that. It's very tragic. You leave, you turn your back on God, I'm done. Go into the world. Or you want to go to the world just because the world looks so good, looks so enticing. And you think it's fun. You think God is no fun. And God says, okay. Oh, yeah, see how, see how that goes, you know? See how the world, let's see how the world treats you. And God knows you're going you're gonna to come crawling back probably, right? You're going to come crawling back. Now, 
uh, here we have the son come to his senses, and so he, he starts the journey back home. Now let's read verses 20 to 24, the last part of this story. Verse 20, and he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Now notice, the father butts in. He, he doesn't let him finish his speech. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Now you would think that the father would be ready to reprimand the son. Here comes that good, good for nothing boy. I'll show him. But there's no need. You see, the son learned his lesson the hard way. There is not a single word of rebuke. Instead, the long lost son receives a robe, a ring, shoes, and a celebration of his return. Well, he didn't deserve any gifts. Were they giving him gifts? It's like his birthday party or something. He didn't deserve anything. They're giving him all this stuff. But most of all, he receives the loving embrace of his father. This is the grace of God to all of his wayward children. That's grace. That's grace. You see, the father's house represents sweet fellowship with God. And this is the place where we belong. Amen? Do not belong in the world. We do not belong in the mud. We belong in the Father's house. Look at 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. 1 John 1, 6 and 7. We're talking about fellowship with God. And I don't think it could be any more clear than 1 John chapter 1, 6 and 7. It says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Notice that word there, darkness. We're walking in darkness. And the reason we're walking in darkness is because of sin. Sin is darkness. You know, God is light. And sin is darkness. And so anytime you're walking in sin, you're in the dark. And when you're in the dark, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you don't know where you're going. You need to get in the light. You see, you don't, you don't belong in the dark. You belong in the light, walking in the light. And what, what does it mean to walk in the light? It means that you've confessed your sins and you're walking faithfully with God. You're reading your Bible every day. You're praying. You're spending time with your Heavenly Father every day. You're walking with Him. You're in agreement with Him. Bible says in the book of Amos, how can two walk together except they be agreed? You know, when two people are walking together, they're walking in the same direction. They're going in the same direction. And so you need to be going in the same direction as your heavenly father. Walk in the light. You know what, God, he's, he's our father. But he's not an abusive father. He will never unjustly beat you or even 
uh, harm you, for that matter. God is not a neglectful father. He will never forget about you or fail to help you in your time of need. No, God is a loving and protecting father. He wants all of his children to be with him at home because that's where they belong. They belong at home with him in the father's house. You know, I remember uh, many, many, many years ago, I was just a kid, maybe seven or eight years old, and uh, I was here at the church, and uh, me and my brother Philip were at the back of the church here outside, right at the back, and uh, for some reason they had dug up a trench outside right in the back. This long trench is stretched out in the uh, concrete, and it was, um, I don't know, only, it was about only two or three feet wide, and it was six feet deep, this trench. And I guess they were putting in some pipes or something, but it was just a, just a trench right there. And, you know, we were young kids, and so we were jumping over it, you know, jumping over the trench because that's, that's just, look at that trench. That's so cool. So we were jumping over the trench, having a good time. And uh, my, my good friend Michael, we saw Michael, and uh, he was over here, and we waved to him, hey. And, and we're like, hey, trench. Now, it was dark. You have to understand it was dark. This was like late at night. It was like a Sunday night, and I didn't even know what time of year it was, but it was dark outside, and we motioned for Michael to come over here, but what we forgot to tell him was that we were on this side of the trench. The trench was in front of us, and uh, he didn't know that, so he's running. (laughs) Hey, guys, all right, and he runs right and falls right down into that trench, And and we're like, oh, my goodness, we, oh, uh, are you okay, Michael? And he's like, oh. And he's all, you know, he hurt his leg or something, and he was in pain. And we're like, oh, great. You know, we, we feel really bad. But we don't know what to do. It was just about a minute after that, that who should walk around the corner but Michael's dad. It's amazing. And I know that that was not a coincidence. Michael's dad, he just walks right around the corner. Clearly, the Lord allowed that to happen. He walks around the corner. Hey, guys, what are you doing? And so we tell him what happened. Hey, Michael fell down here. And, and uh, it's dark. You know, it's dark. It's late at night. And so you, we, we can't see Michael. So his dad calls out, son, are you down there? Yes. You know, he's in pain. So his dad, he, he jumps down into that trench. And he grabs Michael. And he lifts him up. And we help pull him out. And then Michael's dad, he gets up and he starts climbing out. We pull him out. And you know what? That's exactly what your heavenly father does for you. You fall into the pit. And your heavenly father gets down into that pit to lift you out, to pull you out. The Bible says in Psalm 40 in verse 2, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. That is what your heavenly father wants to do for you. He wants to pull you up out of that pit. That is, if, if you want him to. If you want him to. I, I can't imagine why you would want to stay down in that pit. Why you'd say, oh no, I'm good, I'm good. Hey, I'm enjoying the mud and the filth. Now remember, a real child of God He doesn't want to stay there. A real child of God, a saved person, doesn't want to stay in the mud. That's not where you want to be. 
You want to get out of that. You've experienced how, how horrible that is. It's time to get out. You know, perhaps today you are in a pit of despair, a pit of sin. You don't belong there. Ask your father to pull you out. Lord, pull me out. And he will. Perhaps today you're out in the far country, far from sweet fellowship with God. You don't belong there. Turn your heart back to the Father today. Perhaps you're in the mud hole, covered in the filth of sin. You might say, I'm deep in sin. I can't get out. You've fallen into sin's trap, and it just it seems hopeless. But you don't belong there. Don't be content to stay there. You're not a pig. You're a son. So get up and head for the place where you belong. You belong in the Father's house. And your Heavenly Father, He is waiting for you. He will not rebuke you. He will welcome you. Amen. Well, I sure hope that was encouraging to you today. You know what? I, I think of a backslidden Christian. That really is what the prodigal son was. He was backslidden. A backslidden Christian, you can, you can be, uh, you know, turn your back on God, go into the world, go into the pig pen. But you know what? If you're really saved, you are miserable because you don't belong there and you know you don't belong there. And it's sad that there are some backslidden Christians who never come back to God. They never come back to God. It's very sad, but there are others who do. There are others who come to their senses. They say, what am I doing here? Why have I left God? And they turn around, and they go back to the Father's house. I, I, I hope that today, if you're, if you're not quite in the will of God, if you've turned your back on the Lord, if you've fallen into sin, I sure hope you'll repent, you'll turn around, and you'll, you'll go back to the Lord, because guess what? He's waiting for you. His arms are open unto you. And he's going to welcome you home. That's what God wants for all of his children, just to come home where they belong. So I sure hope that was an encouraging message today. Maybe this is a message you know that someone else needs, and you can share it with them. That would be wonderful. Remember, you can support the podcast uh, for any amount. There's a link at the end of the description to this episode. You can click on that, support the podcast. I sure would appreciate it. Uh, also, don't forget, today, if you're listening to to this on the day it came out on Friday. You've only got a few hours left for our Kickstarter. It's going to end at midnight. Um, and uh, this is for the movie that uh, my church is doing. It's called Legend of the Golden String, and I don't have time to go into details, but you can go to goldenstringmovie.com and learn all about it. And there's a link there to the Kickstarter, and you better be quick because it's about to close if you'd like to donate. And you can donate to that any amount as well. Sure would appreciate that. That's going to be a, a wonderful thing we're doing. And you can also check out my website, paulrobinsonbooks.com, and there you can look at my uh, my books. You can read my blog and uh, all that good stuff. My, uh, my church's YouTube channel is Northside Baptist Church, North Glen, Colorado. I know that's long, but um, that's the church's YouTube channel, and you'll see my sermons there and sermons from the other pastors as well. We, we have a lot of preachers at, at my church. And so uh, there's a lot of great sermons there that you can 
listen to, you can watch. And I know that'll be a blessing. So thank you so much for listening today. And we're looking forward to these next two messages uh, that are also about uh, where we belong. So look forward to those coming up. I'm Paul Robinson. And until next time, God bless you.